All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really excited today to have Dr. David Nash on the show. So Dr. David Nash is the founding dean at the Jefferson College of Population Health. Very vast background, very deep and wide on pop health policy, so much uh, rich knowledge of information, but obviously um, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Uh, Dr. Nash, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Anthony. Great to be here. And thanks to all of your amazing listeners who uh, tune in. It's really, really wonderful to be together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, your, your background's really interesting. You, you, you've done a lot, but take us, transport us back. Tell us about your origin story and tell us a little bit about, you know, the series of things you've gone through in your life that have led you to where you're at today. Great. Okay. Well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. How's that? <laughs> perfect. So perfect. <laughs> I'm incredibly lucky to have been in one major academic medical center for virtually my entire career. And uh, January of 2020, Anthony, is my 30th anniversary on the faculty at Jefferson. So no one is ever going to do that again. I'm what my millennial children refer to me as a walking, talking dinosaur. (laughs) So you're talking to a unique critter uh, still around. But seriously, so I was a pretty focused uh, young person. I knew I wanted to somehow combine uh, medical school and business school all the way back when I was uh, 17 and 18 years old in high school, uh, in a big public high school on the south shore of Long Island, New York. Um, I read a newspaper story in the New York Times about, about a guy, his name was Samuel P. Martin III, M.D., And he was uh, talking about this incredible program at the Wharton Business School. This is 1973, mind you, about uh, that he had an idea about how to build a doctor executive for the future. And I thought, wow, holy crap, what's that? (laughs) Uh, So I said to my late father, God bless him, I said, you know, wow, look at this story. And my father said, why don't you write him a letter? And I said, oh, my God, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But I went ahead, took out the Smith Corona typewriter. Can you believe it? (laughs) Uh, Typed a letter to Sam Martin at Penn Medical School, sent it to him. And that son of a gun, he called my home, Anthony. And he said, young man, I don't know you, but anybody who had the gumption to write me a letter, you need to come and see me. Mm -hmm. So off I went by myself. First time ever on a train to Philadelphia from Long Island to meet Sam Martin as a senior in high school. And Sam became my mentor for nearly 20 years. Uh, And he was also the founder of the Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholars Program, which was this amazing 30-year program of a two-year post-residency experience for persons who wanted uh, careers in uh, non-clinical medicine, but careers in public policy, health economics, um, basically training faculty leaders for the future. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll summarize. Uh, Sam became, uh, outside of my family, my key mentor. I went to college, majored in economics, went directly to medical school, went directly to residency. And all that while, four years plus four years plus three years, all that while stayed in touch with Sam. And uh, that led to my going to Penn Medical School after being a medicine house officer. Uh, going to Wharton on an academic scholarship and being uh, grateful to be one of those Robert Wood Johnson clinical scholars, which was pretty much life-altering program. And in that program, having gone to Wharton, I figured, okay, I think I see what the challenges are going to be. I certainly didn't have any answers, but that was the beginning of my interest in things like quality and safety, practice pattern analysis, what's the evidence basis for what we do, how do you improve performance, all of that stuff. And we didn't even have a vocabulary for a lot of the things we talk about today. So that got me through um, 1986-78 and became an assistant professor of medicine at Penn Medical School. And in late 1989, I got recruited to come to Jefferson. And of course, people in Philadelphia know Jefferson and Penn, arch rivals for you know decades. So I left the mothership of Penn, came literally across the city to come to Jefferson. And I'll summarize 30 years for you in four minutes. I have had three jobs at Jefferson. Hmm. When I got here in 1990, my job was to stand up a staff office called the Office of Health Policy. And you got to remember, this is 30 years ago. And the reason it was called Health Policy is at that time, the medical school dean, the hospital president and the board were freaking out about something you might remember called Hillary Care. Mm. Remember? Mm-hmm. So the lady was going to do health reform. Mm-hmm. And she chaired President Clinton's efforts to start looking at things like report cards in medicine, drug price controls, all of that stuff. So my first job in the staff office was to make sense out of all this and help the faculty of the medical school, then numbering fewer than 400, now over 1,000, to uh, figure out what is all this stuff. So basically, I was the only doctor who had been to business school. 13 years later, 2003, The office became Jefferson Medical College's first department of health policy. That doesn't sound like a big deal to some folks, but in the academic world, it was a major, major deal because at that time, 2003, of the 120 medical schools, fewer than a dozen had such a department. And frankly, we modeled our department after the Department of Health Policy at Mount Sinai Medical School, where Mark Chasson, Dr. Mark Chasson was the first chair. He is now, of course, the president of the Joint Commission in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So 2003, I become a medical school department chair. 2004, get an endowed chair from a wonderful alum named Dr. Ray Grandin and his wife, Doris. Uh, I'm in that role for five years, 2007, 2008, we get a new university president, Dr. Robert Barchi, now president of Rutgers University in New Jersey. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Barchi does a strategic plan very quickly. The plan calls for the development of two brand new colleges, a school of pharmacy, and drumroll, a to-be-determined. <laughs> uh, and so the second school, the to-be-determined, turned into, if you would, the nation's first college of population health. And in uh, Halloween 2007, trick or treat, Dr. Barchi said to me, you're it, you're going to build this new school for me, and you're mm-hmm. going to open the doors in 18 months, oh, wow. which is essentially what we did as a team. So in 2009, after the board approved the business plan in the summer prior, in September of 2009, the school officially opened its doors. So we are coming up, uh, we're a little past our 10th anniversary now, and the great news, Anthony, is there's now uh, seven, eight, nine colleges of population health out there. It sort of depends on how you count them, mm-hmm. uh, but that's the quick summary of my three decades at Jefferson. Pretty wow. story. Wow. So You're... no one's going no to do this again. I mean, not, yeah. just, just, not just me, it's just organizations aren't stable enough to sustain that kind of you right. know, tension to a goal. Right. It's, just, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, such a, such a powerful marathon of, of healthcare leadership, um, scholastic studies, and touching all facets of healthcare, right? You know, obviously, you and I know this field of healthcare is so multidimensional and is interweaving between societal changes, technology changes policy changes, um, and then the payer and provider worlds coming together. And obviously, it's, it's, it's refreshing and a blessing that you're leading the forefront of, of teaching, grooming um, our, our, our healthcare leaders, right, of the future. And you guys have um, popped out so many awesome leaders, right? Um, Thank you. Let me ask you, uh, I'm very fascinated about so there's so many interesting fields going on in technology and leadership. What's one or two things that you're working on or seeing today that really captures your attention and your passion? I'd love to hear about maybe one or two things that really excites you about what you're working on, what you're seeing, and not just what it is, but why, why it's captivating you. Sure. Well, that's a great, great question. And, uh, you know, I, I would just preface it by saying um, I'm a big believer, like uh, uh, Dr. Cotter from Harvard Business School, gr- good leaders prepare the leaders of tomorrow. You know, that that's really an important part of leadership and something I really believe strongly in. So things that we're working on that I find super exciting right now, one is um, a couple of years ago, we got the board of the entire enterprise to commit to resources committed to making sure every clinical department throughout the enterprise uh, has at least one faculty member with advanced training in healthcare quality and safety. Mm. And after that board mandate, which uh, we achieved just about four years ago, we now have up and running second cohort an enterprise-wide, across all 16 hospitals, training program for emerging physician and pharmacy and nurse leaders in quality and safety. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a key, key personal goal that I had. 
the second thing that excites me is our work in what we call, which we trademark, called population health intelligence. Mm. And there's so much stuff going on in the marketplace with pop health analytics, predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, synthetic data. We put all of that, like it or not, we lump it all under this new term we coined called pop health intelligence. Mm. And I'm not in the business of training people to write software, certainly not, but I'm in the business of training leaders who could take all the data and turn it into actionable information. Mm. So we're working internally to uh, complete a brand new curriculum in pop health intelligence. And we're coupling that with our real world experience with fascinating companies and consultancies, uh, leading companies like Innovacer. I'm on their advisory board, leading consultant companies like Navis Healthcare in St. Louis, Missouri. And we see this work really focusing on, if you would, going upstream to shut the faucet rather than constantly mopping up the floor. Mm. That's the visual that we like to promote. So let me give you an example. What the heck does that mean? So listen, you know, I've lived inside the belly of the academic medical center beast for three decades. So, you know, I get it. But we got to stop thinking about building the next cardiac cath lab instead of trying to figure out how to reduce obesity in the community. We got to not build the next bariatric surgery center. We got to improve nutrition and exercise. We got to reduce hip fracture. We, ha you know, so we're all about going upstream, practicing prevention, which is in part what your show is all about and keeping people healthy and out of the hospital rather than always thinking about how do we compete for market share downstream. Mm -hmm. uh, much easier said than done since we're largely still paid for heads and beds, but I'm trying to steer the college on the road that everybody else is trying to be on, of course, which is the road from volume to value. Mm -hmm. And how do we measure that and how do we create the evidentiary basis on how to get there. So it's a complicated question. And our role as a college is to help prepare leaders who are armed with the tools to, you know, make this happen. That mm -hmm. That's the goal. So those are the things that I care a lot about personally. I'm very fortunate. We have amazing faculty, students, staff working on all kinds of things. Uh, across our six degree programs, but the things that I care about so much are leadership training and uh, pop health intelligence. I love it. I love it. No, this is great. And and, and kudos and congratulations again to pioneering, um, you know, population health intelligence. It's it's very fascinating. I think that's absolutely what we need is better frameworks and better modeling and better examples that we can just execute on to you know provide a deeper level of substance in this this new population health world we're, we're entering in as we move to value based and move away from service based so super exciting and then you know obviously appreciate the, the the championship that you guys are doing in in pioneering leadership and quality right with which is so drastically needed obviously you see so many hospital executive teams and hospitals out there that are are very versed in quality but there's definitely 
uh, it's almost like polarizing. There's either a, a hospital mindset that has a distinct sense and quality in those that are, are, are getting there. Um, right. Tell me a little bit about your vision of the future of healthcare. You, you cited a couple of things that are pretty interesting, right? We're still getting compensated for heads and beds, but we're moving very rapidly to a value-based model. You're ushering in new mindsets that, that are going to service this new world. Um, you know, lots of interesting things in play as we move more towards, you know, the faucet and, and less on, on mopping the floor, which by the way, is a metaphor I, I, I definitely plan to use with my team over the past week All right, or over the next use- week. And I'll cite you. I'll, I'll definitely give you credit for it. <laughs> Good. We have one other I'll tell you about. Ed. You just have to give us attribution and yep. every day at Anthony, you owe me one nickel. There one you nickel. go. Okay, I'm going to start a spreadsheet, a Google spreadsheet, and 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 do that. But it, I, I, but seriously, I love that analogy of of the the faucet focus, right? Right. And so, right. Um, tell me a little bit about your vision of the future. How do we get? How do we get there? What does it look like? I mean, tell tell us about some of the possibilities you're seeing, and you know the 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 future of healthcare, um, at the way you see it, and the 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 way that you believe in your heart, we're marching towards. Well, it's certainly a big topic for sure, but some of the things that I care a lot about personally are, I I hope we could see a delivery system that is free of harm to Mm -hmm. patients. Mm -hmm. Look, care is never going to be error-free, but let's hope that for you and me, when we need medical care, that it'll be free from harm. Mm. And I... Uh, a lot of personal energy on educating leaders who are out there making care safer. And that's a really wonderful legacy to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second thing that I see in the future is a greater demand than ever before for physician leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of the uh, enterprise itself, hospitals, delivery systems, managed care organizations, ACOs, all of that. And leadership from a moral perspective about trying to keep the patient truly at the center of what we do. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people, I'm a fan of uh, Clayton Christensen and the job to be done. Mm-hmm. And the job done here is what is it that the patient needs? Mm-hmm. And the only way we're going to know that is by asking her. Mm-hmm. So final piece I'm about is patient engagement and in all new ways my millennial children Anthony are never going to buy health care the way that my baby boomer wife and I did for sure right. right and and so what does that mean and what kind of technology and how do we harness it and use it to go upstream and shut the faucet so mm-hmm. the video conferencing texting the Bluetooth technology, the Internet of Things, all of that. I mean, we're working with a company that can predict pretty accurately mental illness based on how you might change your daily approach to your iPhone. I mean, from your stroke differentials and incredible technology and another firm that at, at Mayo that, that is looking at voice recognition patterns that are predictive of coronary disease. I mean, can you believe this stuff? So that's the future patient engagement. And my pals, Bob Wachter, Eric Topol, who have written books about this. I mean, so the things that I care about are no harm, leadership for physicians, 
and engaging patients in the future. I love it. I love it. No, this is this is great and phenomenal. I really appreciate it. Um, the broad spectrum, and you've given us a really interesting framework for um, looking at the present, but obviously the the elements that you're mentioning across population health, intelligence, quality. You know, focusing on the faucet, and um, you know, it's really paving the way for an interesting and and, and uh, intriguing future, right? And uh, you know, it's really super exciting that you know what you're doing. Um, let me ask you, Dr. Nash, what would be a good way? So, first of all, would love to have you back on the show. Maybe go deeper on a couple of these topics, right? There's there's probably about just everything we talked about. There's probably ten different subtopics that, you know, if we talk about them a little bit more, you know, these are things that impact, you know, millions of lives across America and beyond. But um, I want to be sensitive to your time. Let me ask you, what would be a good way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they would like to do so? Obviously, you have so many different things that you're doing. Sure. Um, you know, at your, sure. where you're at at Jefferson College. Um, and then obviously any, any, uh, works that you're doing, any blog posts or any articles or anything you've written, we'd love to link to those in the show notes, but, um, what would be a good way for people to get in touch with you? Okay. So there's probably two ways. Uh, I have, uh, north of 10,000 LinkedIn colleagues. So we're pretty active on LinkedIn virtually every day. Um, I, I have a dozen or so YouTube videos that are readily accessible. You just have to type in my name. Mm-hmm. And if you say Jefferson, you'll get right to it. So David Nash, MD at Jefferson. That's the second way. And then third is uh, we're pretty good about getting back to people who email us directly. And my email is nash at Jefferson, like the president, dot edu. So david.nash at jefferson.edu, LinkedIn, YouTube, we're, we're really good. And I have lots of help from smart people to uh, maintain our online presence. I love it. I love it. Well, this, is, this has been great. We'll definitely link to that. And uh, Dr. Nash, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your, your origin story, your passions, your background, um, you know, very profound marathon you have run and continue to run. And I think the industry needs more leaders like yourself that are willing to do so. Right. And realize this isn't a sprint and, you know, work on something in healthcare for just a year or four years and then, and then wonder why we're not getting results. Right. It takes stamina to make a societal shift like you're, you're yes. doing and what we're doing. And so, amen, I, we're on the same page. So really appreciate it. Uh, Thank Dr. you, Ann. Yeah. I really that. And uh, I need more young people to join us because my feet are starting to hurt from this marathon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have some ideas. There's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity we're seeing. I mean, I will tell you, I know this, we're still on the show here, but yeah, there's a, there's a huge opportunity, I think, to, to reach younger people through different mediums and stuff. And, um, you know, super, super profound way to get the message out. And, you know, obviously you guys are at the forefront to do so you're influencing, you know, the tip of the spear here. So, um, super, super fascinating, Dr. Nash. I really appreciate it. Um, to our listeners out there, this is the pop health show. This show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making other people healthier in this world. Uh, again, Dr. Nash, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great and profound. All right, Anthony. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thanks.